Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. Sometimes when people hear missions, it scares them to death because Satan is wanting you to be fearful. Uh, He wants you to be one that would slack and not fulfill your purpose. And that's the reason we do Exploring Missions. And uh, the program was made to not only encourage people and to notify people, teach people, but it's also to challenge people to get in on what God is doing. And so we hope that this will touch your life, that you'll be a part of God's great commission work. This is Bert Harper, and my co-host is Nathan Harper. And Nathan, as we look at exploring missions, uh, we find a lot of people who modern day and uh, years ago who just started because God touched their heart. You know, I think of William Carey, got Adoniram Judson, these people. And then people that's not necessarily called, we don't call them missionaries, but John Wesley, George Whitfield. Look what John Wesley would do on that horse uh, here at AFA, AFR headquarters uh, out in our lobby area. Uh, there's a little statuette, and it's John Wesley on his horse reading his Bible, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and George Whitfield. Is that would, equivalent to texting while driving? <laughs> uh, well. It's probably not as dangerous. Not right? as quite as dangerous. The horse, most of the time, they said his horse knew where he was going because okay. he had made those treks so many times. Right, I gotcha. So, uh, but George Whitfield that would come over from England and go up and down the eastern seaboard preaching the gospel. What what I'm saying is that we are standing on the shoulders of giants when it comes to missions. That's right. And uh, but the biblical base, and that's what we do. Yes, they could have done it. Yes, we thank God for them. But the basis that they had is the same basis we have in that scripture. So we want to look at some scripture today. Tell us a little bit about where we're going to launch from and what we want to accomplish today. So we, we want to look in uh, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to focus most of our, our time. And Luke, uh, you know, every you can almost – you could do this in each of the four gospels um, where there's a narrative, uh, a story about Jesus. And, you know, most of them start with either his birth or first part of his ministry – and then moving until death and resurrection. And so if you're following the action, you can almost pick out the there's a hinge point in each of these gospels where the 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 climax comes and where where things really start picking up the pace and things kind of change and you see how serious Jesus mission really is. And I know we're in Luke, but in the book of Mark, I I have one cuz it's so evident in the book of Mark. The and Mark is the you know shortest of right. the Gospels, Mark chapter 8, right in the middle of it. If you look at the first seven chapters of the book of Mark, it's showing you what Jesus did. 
And then after he did all of this, he asked him, who do you say that yes. I am? So he is saying the first part of Mark is about teaching them who he was. The second part of Mark is teaching them what he's going to do. Yeah. And that's go to Jerusalem and die. Yeah. And in that, he involves both of them. He brings them along to discover who he is, and he brings them along to say, you need to be a part of what I'm up to. That's right. And the book of Luke hears the same way. Yeah, it's the hinge point of Luke is Luke chapter 9, where he, uh, for the first time, mentions that he's going to go to Jerusalem and die. And, you know, I don't know the reaction totally of, of the disciples, what they felt and thought about that. But at that point on, it got really serious, and they realized, I think, what, what was coming. Um, so we're going to look there, but first let's just look the very first verse of Luke chapter 10, just to kind of, this is how, just want to show you how uh, God's worked in my life. Uh, for the last, you know, five years or so, I've been serving with Global Frontier Missions over in Atlanta, Georgia. In my position, I, I do a lot of training, and I train, uh, you know, future missionaries that are going to uh, different fields around the world. I, I train, uh, help train churches um, and and different people. And, and a lot of what I train them in is what you see is a blueprint of ministry in Luke chapter 10. Those of us that listen and hear you here on this program, we realize your ability to do that. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that. To, I wanted to say that, that training that you do with them, you bring it to this radio program, and it adds to not just to them, but people all over the United well, States. Well, it's, 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 so it's my joy to, to do this. I, I couldn't do anything else, I don't think, but I can I can at least try to do this. And so... Uh, Luke chapter 10, I'm there quite a bit, and so even in this this Bible that I'm looking at right now, the Luke chapter 10 page has been <laughs> pulled out because I'm there so often. Um, but Luke chapter 10 verse 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 70, maybe 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. So this is Jesus training the apostles to do the ministry. Now, the very first two words say, after this. Yes. Maybe another translation. I don't know what yours says. It says after these things. After these things. So when you see that, in good Bible study, what do you do? You go back and see what, what comes before it. So in good Bible study, and I love to do this because that's what I do on the other program I do. Uh, you, you, if you say, therefore, after these things, you start there and then go backward. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So that's what drew me back to Luke 9, and I saw how serious, how important, how dramatic, how um, central Luke chapter 9 really is to this gospel, um, to really our, our mission. Um, there's some really good passages here that, that speak directly to, to mission work, uh, not just cross-cultural mission work, but any, any sort of uh, living on mission that we are all as followers of Jesus supposed to be about. So I want to go into Luke 9 and look at some of these things. Uh, first thing, though, is kind of the whole context of Luke. See, what Luke is doing, Luke actually wrote two books. He wrote Luke, obviously, and then he wrote the book of Acts. Some people call it Luke-Acts. Yeah, even, that's they right. Are, you they can read are, it all together. You do. When you do that, you get a better story. So here's think about this. What is Luke doing in the book of Luke? He is taking Jesus... The action is focused on taking Jesus to Jerusalem, specifically to the cross. Okay. Now, chronologically, sometimes people wonder, why are the different Gospels arranged chronologically different? Some of the events happen 
here in Luke and then later in, in John or vice versa or, or different books like that. The point is their perspective. Luke was trying to show how Jesus was going to Jerusalem. Now, in the book of Acts, he picks up from Jerusalem and shows how the gospel of Jesus was going from Jerusalem into the rest of the world. And so you have Luke taking Jesus to Jerusalem in the cross, and you have Acts where he's taking the message of Jesus and his followers from Jerusalem with the message of the empty tomb into all the world. Amen. Pretty, pretty cool picture. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, let's look in a couple places in Luke chapter 9. It starts with the commissioning of the twelve. So Luke 9, Luke 10, you have similar things going on, but in Luke 9, it's just the 12 that Jesus is sending out to do two-by-two two ministry. In, in Luke 10, it's, it's the 70 or 72. And so like it's almost like Luke 9 is their first short-term mission trip. Luke 10 is their first cross-cultural short-term mission and trip. And we'll get to that. That's right? really important. Now, they're both happening in Galilee, okay? And so— Luke 9, they, the 12 go out, and we have a little sideline about Herod, how Herod even wants to see Jesus. Don't know what his motivations are with that. Uh, and then uh, verse 10, Luke chapter 9, verse 10, it says, When the apostles returned, okay, they come back from their little mission trip, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. Now, the I think what was going on, they were going to debrief, kind of take a retreat, rest up from their, from their trip, and Jesus was going to you know, teach them further. But they got interrupted, didn't they? What, what would happen? <laughs> okay. Jesus had a following wherever he went. Yeah. <clears throat> it was hard for him to do anything. Is it the paparazzi that we have following yeah. people today? The celebrities, they, right. If they'd have been a paparazzi in that day, they'd have been clicking their pictures. That's right. They? Yeah. So this crowd, these crowds found out that Jesus was, was walking along uh, the Sea of Galilee there, and so they followed him, right? And look in verse 11, okay? When, when, they, when they started following Jesus, these crowds, and we don't know exactly how many. Uh, you can speculate, you know, upwards of 25,000, 30,000, maybe that many. But it's not multitude, it's multitudes, which is yeah. plural. That gives More you than a... one mass of people yeah. kind of yeah. coming together. Yeah. So— you have this these large, large crowd of people. And what does Jesus do? Verse 11, he welcomed them, spoke to them. What did he speak to them about? About the kingdom of God and cured those who needed healing. Can you say those are three, not just uh, for Jesus and his ministry, the three primary activities that he would do, yeah. but was this not a model for how we should, the three things we should be doing? It hasn't Welcoming people, in other words, showing hospitality, in other words, showing them love, care, um, um, you know, just being hospitable and open and welcome to them, no, no matter where they've come from, no matter where, who they are, welcoming people. Okay, he welcomed them. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He could have spoke to them about anything, but Jesus was concerned about the kingdom of God, so he spoke to them about that. He didn't withhold this life-giving message from the people, from the crowds. Um, you can't really say you're on mission unless you're speaking to people about the kingdom of God, can you? Uh, everything else is empty in reality. We have this notion that we just live silently in front of others, and uh, that, will do the, that will do the job. 
there's a little bit of truth in that, right? I mean, we do need to live, walk our— Be ready to give an answer yeah. of the faith that's in you. Right. There should be a living faith. Yes. But, uh, I, Nathan, let's just say it, it takes both. Yeah. If you try to speak it and you're not living it, it's hypocritical. And if you are living it and not speaking it, it's hypocritical. Yes. I, okay. Yep. Uh, we need. And so Jesus is doing both. He welcomes them. In other words, he's building their trust so that they will listen to what he has to say. And that's what he says. He speaks about the kingdom of God. And then what does he do? He heals them. He cures those that need healing. Um, he shows practical, real-life, hands-on care for people. When we talk about healing, we need to understand physical healing, emotional healing, yes. spiritual healing. Yep. And when you look <clears throat> in America at all the hospitals and different ministries that they started, I mean, yes, now, today, government got involved, but government got involved way late compared to when the church got involved. That's right. You had the church leading the way in carrying this out, especially in America, and we still have Methodist hospitals, Baptist hospitals, Presbyterian, Catholic, you know, and and again, yeah, they've a lot of them been secularized. I don't, but that still tells you about the roots, doesn't it? That's that's right. And so, Jesus is kind of giving us a model of how we should approach large groups of people, or small groups of people, or any people that are far from God. Welcome them, speak to them about the kingdom of God, and meet their needs. You know, (laughs) there it is. So now what happens? Well, verse 12, late in the day, the 12 approached him and said to him, send the crowd away. Now, look at the <laughs> attitude of the disciples. They're tired of dealing with this. They want to, they're tired physically, emotionally. Mm. They're, they're worn out. They're ready to go be with Jesus on a retreat. And they're tired of dealing with these people. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a deserted place here. Now, what does Jesus say to them? Verse 13. You give them something to eat. <laughs> now, obviously, Jesus knew they didn't have enough food uh, or money, probably, to pay for, you know, 30,000 lunches. So he's not necessarily actually meaning for them to go do that. He knows they, they have empty resources or limited resources. And so they say, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. And it says for about 5,000 men were there. So they counted the men. We don't know how many women and children. That's why I'm saying 25, 30,000. It could have been so many large families. It could have been, you know, fewer. It could have been ten to 15,000 people. But regardless, they just didn't have what they needed. 5,000 would be a lot. <clears throat> yeah. That'd, that'd, That's that'd, enough. That would have been too much. Yeah. More. yeah. So the point I think what Jesus is making is hospitality, showing welcome, Showing love, concern, building trust among people is where it starts, is where missions, where ministry starts. In other words, you won't be effective at doing anything else unless you meet the people where they are and and show them love in a practical way. It's pretty clear. And so— What's that cliche? I'm big on cliches. People don't care what you believe until they believe you care. Yeah. There's some cliches that have a lot of truth in it, and that one's— is it demonstrated here on that one? It, does, it is. And so um, what does he do? He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed, he broke it, he gave it, 
and everyone was filled. And what did they have left over? Twelve. Twelve baskets. Basketfuls. Now, <laughs> you can speculate what that's about, but I, I think it's, it's, it's food for the disciples to take on the road with them. Yeah. That's my opinion. I think, next. hey, next time this happens, we'll have a little to give. That's right. More, more than just that little boy's. That's hey, right. I think it's important, and any time I get a chance to talk about my grandchildren, I'm going to do it. Who was it that brought this boy that had the five loaves and two fish andrew andrew that's that's nathan's youngest son my grandson so uh, andrew was always bringing people to jesus every time you see andrew he's bringing somebody along yeah man it's a good model too isn't it (laughs) it is i just get excited about it so we see this this big model here of how to do mission not just the activities we do of welcoming people the centrality of hospitality is super important we miss it so much um i can't even convey how how essential that is to evangelism. No wonder in the Gospels and then in the writings of Paul and Peter, given to hospitality is a, uh, it's it's a necessary, yeah. essential to what, what they're asking us to do. That's right. Man. You can't be a leader in the church unless you're able to show hospitality. That, mean, that doesn't mean you're good at it. It just means you're willing and able. And well, the disciples some, here were not willing. Yeah. They wanted to send the crowds away, and Jesus was showing them a better way. You have to be willing to. That's like Timothy. Uh, I don't think he was naturally equipped for an evangelist. Yeah. But Paul said, do the work. Do the work. It was work for so him. Yeah. For work, for some people, hospitality is just it's their, work. It, it's their nature. Yeah. For others, it's it's a labor. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But we're all, I believe we're all called to do that. And um, if I really believe if you want to see fruitfulness in ministry, in missions, whether it's evangelism or discipleship, um, church planting, or just um, reaching out to people, um, we've got to really see what it looks like to truly welcome people, to host people, to show hospitality and love and care in a practical way. So let, let's talk about this, and I'm, I'm not afraid to get to it. So people that move in that are different, they may be— um, refugees uh, that's come different in place of letting fear the debate is still on who should come in and we we don't get on that on exploring missions but the ones who are here we do not need to let fear dominate us and I'm speaking to Bert Harper too here Nathan you're at at the point where you're enmeshed with, with that culture and I understand that but a lot of folks that we're talking to do you think some of these people that that we, we should engage? Yeah. You got to engage and connect. We we did that at the church. You and I, people need to know. You and I served on staff at the same church for about three years, and it changed my whole life. It I hope it blessed your life. Yeah, it but it was. but it but it did missionally. And one of the things we talked about was engage and connect. Uh, you you engage them, and that means contact with them, and then you find a point of connection. All of that is part of hospitality, isn't it? That's right. It is. Okay. I, I wanted to break that down because yeah. I, I know we're heading in a more mm-hmm. more direction, but I, I thought that was important. But even here we see the even the central point of even food. If you want to begin doing missions, let me just put it real simple. If you want to begin doing missions, whether you've done it many times before, you've gone on mission trips before, or you've never done it before at all, if you want to begin right, go find someone who's different than you may may not know who Jesus is or may not have heard the gospel, find someone that's different from you and have a meal with them. Invite them over to your house. At least go 
pay for a meal and sit down with them at a table and talk. That's that's the beginning of a good mission work. I, I just got to let you be a little personal here. Uh, you've had some interest in dishes in the last five <laughs> years, haven't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I could we could have a whole episode on the crazy things that I've eaten, but that would bore everybody. I, I know, but <clears throat> and well, see, your mom and I raised you. You did not have that in oh, your no. in your heart as a child. No. You you were not an experiential eater. No, I was twenty years old before I ever had Chinese food, and it really it was Americanized Chinese. It wasn't like the real thing, yeah. you know. So um, God, I, I'm 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 going for a purpose here, and I've turned the tables on you a little bit. But so God can even take your limitations and expand them. Definitely, when it comes to missions, they'll have to be expanded. Okay, if you want to be effective, um, you know He can do. He will do that. You don't. You know, you're not going to – you don't know what to do. You just follow him in the next step, and then he, he shows you the next step after that. And along the way, you figure out, oh, I've gained some skills. Oh, I've gained some, you know, some experience, and I've learned some things along the way. That's what he was doing with the disciples here. Yeah. They didn't they didn't <laughs> have it all together here. He was modeling it for them. He was, he was. showing them. Amen. And that's what he does with us. Okay. Now, another thing he wants to – we might only get to this feeding the 5,000 because there's <laughs> so much all here. That's right, no. But um, let me show you the essence of it. So think about what the disciples were doing. Okay, Jesus took the he, – he, first he took the bread and the fish. Okay, he took it, he broke it. No, excuse me. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. Okay? And the early church would pray that prayer. They would say, Lord, take us. Lord, bless us. Lord, break us, and Lord, send us out and give us out. That should be our prayer. That should be what, that's the focus of our ministry. I've heard, and I don't know who it was the first, I've heard preachers, and uh, said, you will not be used significantly until God breaks you drastically. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, my voice cracks when I say that because um, in my life, uh, there's, that brokenness where I thought, man, yes, I got it. And a lot of times it's at the point of your greatest desire that you're broken. Mm. And uh, is it true? God loves us the way they are, we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. And if you put that with missions, it really makes a difference, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Um, it's It's heavy. It is. You know, and, and it's and we want to skip over that part. We want the blessing. We don't want to be broken. But if we're going to be sent out, if we're going to be effective and used, we've got to be both blessed and broken. And before that, we have to be received by Jesus, and we know he does. You know, the question is, have we followed him? Have we trusted in him? Have we repented of our sins? Go over those things again. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. He and gave, he gave it. Yep. And it. And that filled them. That's right. There's the filling. The and there's more left over. Yeah, and more left over. There's the harvest. So, so we, can, we can minister from the overflow. That's right. I mean, it's a multiplication yeah, is what I was, it is. I was taught that. There's an old saying about preaching or teaching. You read yourself full, you pray yourself hot, and you just get up and burn for Jesus. Mm. There's a lot of truth in that. That's right. And I remember uh, Jack Hiles, who was a great independent Baptist pastor up in Indiana, just him in Indiana, Bus ministry, he was one of the first to start it, had a heart for God. 
And I remember what he'd say. He said, if I spend too much time in the, as a pastor, if I spend so much time in the word and not with the people, I've got a message, but I don't have the heart. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he said, if I spend all my time with the people and not in the word, I have a heart, but not a message. He said, the, the truth is I've got to spend time in the word and with God and with the people. So I'll have a heart and a message. That's right. That's, tr- that's powerful. And that's true for a teacher and a missionary, a pastor. We've got to spend time with God and with those that's that right. he's brought us to. And there's times you do each of those separately, and there's times you put them together. Yeah. And here Jesus is putting them together. Puts them together. And um, one last thing on, on this, and we could probably close up. Um, think about what the disciples were doing. They were, they were going to Jesus, and he would give them – I guess they had 12 baskets, right? Each of the 12 had a, had a one, basket. I guess that's it. Probably Matthew had divided the people up, right, because he's a good counter. So he'd say, <laughs> okay, 50 over here and 50 yeah. over there. He, they would each go up to Jesus – to get their basket filled up with this miracle of fish and bread. Where was it coming from? I don't know how that happened. You watch some of the, like a Jesus film video, some of the videos, uh, movies that portray this story, and they all do it differently because they don't know how it happened. We don't know. Um, How did it just appear? But however it happened, they would come and get their basket filled. Then they would turn. First they faced Jesus get their basket filled. Then they turn and face the crowds and deliver the food to the crowds and distribute it. And then it empties, right? So they come back and get more. <laughs> and then they go back and deliver more to another you know, f- group of 50. <laughs> That's a picture of, of how ministry and missions works. You go to Jesus and get filled up. And then you go to the people and empty it out. And you give to the people what you've gotten from Jesus yourself. Then you guess, guess what? You're not done. You go back, and you go back to Jesus and get more. We're never sufficient on our own. Our sufficiency is Christ. Paul said that, uh, you know, we're, ineffic- we're insufficient of ourselves. Our sufficiency is Christ. So sufficiency and supply come from Jesus. Only Jesus. Only him. He's the only way. And this this shows that uh, I— Okay, there's an old movie, and I, I love old movies. The newer ones doesn't grab me much, but there's one called The Bishop's Wife, Cary Grant, Loretta Lynn. They remade it, called it The Preacher's Wife, and Denzel, right. well, I forgot who all was in it. But in this episode, it shows Cary Grant as an angel, and he goes to this professor who has lost his faith and everything, but he has a little, you know, sherry or wine. And anyway, he pours it, but every time he pours it out, it fills it back up. Right. And, and the professor said, this is the most amazing thing. The lost spiritual truth, he said, it strengthens and blesses, but it doesn't liberate. Hmm. That's the spirit of the whole, that's the Holy yeah. Spirit. And so really what we're talking about here is the spirit, yes. the Holy Spirit is, is Jesus said, I got to go away. If I don't go away, the spirit will not come. But when the spirit comes... You'll do greater things. Yeah, it's better for you. It's better for you. So it's better to have God on the inside of us as the Holy Spirit than having Jesus beside us in the Gospels. Now, I hope that doesn't sound blasphemous, but... No, that's what Jesus said. We're blessed. You're blessed to have the Holy Spirit in your life today. And I hope that the Holy Spirit is working you, that you'd be on mission for Christ. as like the introduction says at home, across the street, or around the world. Nathan, thank you for the teaching today. Thank you. You've been listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. Hope you'll tell someone about these programs and let them tune in. 
So thank you today for being with us on this great day.